This is a Morley Radio production. Hello, welcome to Artcast, a new podcast presented by Matt G, artist and subject leader of fine arts at Morley College. The decision to do this podcast was inspired by photographs taken from the polio outbreak in the 1940s, where students were being remotely taught by radio. This podcast will be a series of informal discussions with artists about their work, lifestyle, and how they have adapted during the current crisis we live in. Their aim is to disseminate material for students by limiting screen time and providing a feed of information of when they are taking a break from the screen. My first guest is Susie Olchak, renowned artist and educator who has been commissioned for numerous public sculpture projects. Susie also provides exciting and engaging workshops on utilizing materials around the house to create sophisticated sculptures and prints with minimal means. Susie will be giving a talk with Morley College, including these workshops on the 3rd of March. Stay tuned because they will be available to the public. Susie attained her BA at Glasgow School of Art in 2010 and her MA at the Royal College of Art in 2019. She has gone on to have solo shows at Ugly Duck and Tower 42. She says, I consider the way we intuitively wrap, stack, tie and slot materials together around us and the way that nature creeps back into every part of urban space. It is about the perception of geometry, pattern, and light while moving through transitory spaces, such as corridors, underpasses, and the walkways between buildings. Susie, welcome. Thank you, thanks for having me. Let's kick off with the big questions, the insightful. What is your favorite color? This is so difficult to ask an artist, (laughs) Um, especially, uh, well, I really like a lot of different colors and use quite a lot of color in my work. Um, But I guess if I have to pick one, it would have to be blue. But I don't know exactly what colour blue. I don't know. Water is really important to me. Um, and, and I use water quite a lot in my work um, and have done increasing over the last few years. I don't, yeah, it's just it's just really calming. And it's just such a great it's just such a great colour. I was listening to this um, book on Audible quite recently called The Secret Lives of Colour. And it went through all of the different colours and kind of explained the history of them and of the particular pigments and um, the kind of, I guess, social context of why some of those colors became particularly popular. Um, and it was just super, super interesting. It got me to think about the the colors I use in my work a lot more than I would maybe have done previously. Um, so yeah, I, but I don't know what blue, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be like a real kind of aquamarine. Um, but I always think it's really funny, you know, when you go in, into somewhere like I was in, in the in the framers um, relatively recently getting some work framed and I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I really want a white frame. And then obviously there's about 15 different whites. Um, so that kind of variety within each colour um, type, I think, is also really, really interesting to think about. Great. What are you listening to at the moment? Do you have any music for getting you in the working zone? Um, I tend to listen to a lot of podcasts and um, 
like I listen to Audible a lot in the studio um, and then I guess I kind of intersperse it with a bit of uh, Radio 6 and then a few things from from my own kind of collection. I listen to Fella Cootie a lot in the studio and I've really recently been kind of listening to a lot of Bonobo as well. And it's been really great on a, on a Wednesday where I work um, at the University of Gloucestershire. We've been doing these WeWork sessions online with students and uh, we've been kind of collectively creating a playlist for the sessions so that's been really nice on a, on a Wednesday to kind of get a real influx of, of of new new music to listen to so I've been kind of doing a lot of shazamming and creating uh creating my own playlist from from a lot of that it's quite a nice way to to listen to new new things but yeah I think that's one of the kind of best things not not the best thing about being an artist but one of the great things about being an artist is you do have that time in the studio where you're um able to immerse yourself either in music or or a podcast or or something from audible um yeah and it depends I guess on the level of focus like sometimes I won't be able to listen to music at all because I need to be like really focused in the studio but other times when I'm doing something a bit um kind of more instinctive I can I can listen to music or listen to a to a book or or a podcast yeah Shazam is such a useful app when we hear music in everyday life when we just know that that music's gonna fit perfectly into our working playlists i think it's so great the only problem is i find that i keep stopping working to shazam the tunes (laughs) (laughs) so i'm not sure how how good it is for focus but um yeah yeah i've been to i've been to events where uh, djs are obviously not playing the music that they've produced and some people are not really listening to it but just shazamming every (laughs) single track so I guess there is that issue of the mindfulness with it. Um, could you talk a bit about your public projects and the process of attaining them? I'm thinking of your project for Magdalen Bridge in Cambridge and also the one for the Institute of Astronomy. I'll start with Reflect, the one that was on, uh, on the bridge in Cambridge. Um, that was for a kind of artist-led um, initiative called Art Language Location, which started... Um, a few years ago it was kind of initiated by an artist Robert Good um, and essentially as the name kind of suggests it's it's a, a kind of it's a festival um, a week-long festival of, of art projects that engage with um, lang- ideas around language in the city and I was quite fortunate I collaborated with an artist Sue Shepherd for that the work I made I made a piece of um, a neon piece that essentially has the word reflect backwards in the neon and then the 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 word can be read in the water um correctly kind of the right way up um, and it's quite interesting as as people went past on the on the punts or on boats it broke up the text and then kind of um came back into into a kind of legible format um and yeah it was basically so we applied to art language location and then they um accepted our application and then from that we had to get permission to put the project um where we wanted to put it and we we really wanted to obviously have that the water as the the point of 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 reflection and you know obviously we could have used something else could use a mirror but we were really keen on it having that connection with the river and we also wanted to have a vantage point where that work could be read by the public um and the bridge was was perfect for that so yes we had to then get permission from the 
the, the building where we put it on was an architecture firm. So we had to get their permission. And then the architecture firm kind of rent their building from the college. So we had to kind of then get the permission of the college and also then the wider University of Cambridge. Um, and then also because it's on the river, there was also um, permission for, from the people who managed the river. Um, so it was quite a long project, like kind of a long, a long process for what essentially was going to be a week long project. But we were quite lucky in the fact that um, everyone really liked the, well, not maybe not everyone, but everyone who, you know, or the college and um, the architects really liked the, the piece when it was up. So it actually ended up staying in situ for nearly a year. So that was really great. Um, and quite often when I make temporary work, I make it in a way where it could be more permanent, not necessarily like, you know, for the decades, but it could stay up for, for longer so that there is that option of um creating something temporary but then it kind of evolving into something something more kind of long term which which is great and then the um the institute of astronomy piece was quite early on after i graduated from my undergrad um i was working actually it was before i worked with them i i got in touch with a curator who was doing some projects um on behalf of future city who are quite a big um commissioning agency in public art and it, it it turned out that I eventually ended up working for them becoming like a, a project assistant and helping them on their public projects which was really great for getting experience and kind of seeing the commissioning process from the other other side anyway before I started working for them uh Brona the um curator was putting on a, a one-day event um at the Institute of Astronomy and she asked if I'd be interested in making some work for them which is really exciting it's quite again a bit of like a mad short temporary public art project um but I ended up making a work that was quite quite ambitious in scale um had basically made these three um polystyrene geometric forms like kind of like columns that were leaning over that um created a triangle from one viewpoint and then as you walked around then they like broke up a little bit I guess like the kind of channel four idea um you know when they used to do the kind of um aligning of the forms and it the the building that was behind in the Institute of Astronomy was um has a has a big kind of triangle in the facade so it was kind of getting people to to notice that more um and then because so I use polystyrene because it well for various reasons like it was really light it was really easy to install for the day um but then I kind of gave it a render so it, it looked like it was stone um and also used polystyrene because then afterwards I could then use it in uh, inside other works as kind of because I, I I'm quite keen not to throw too much stuff away and if you know polystyrene isn't the best material in terms of the environment but I could then use it for quite a lot of things after the piece um came down um and yeah it was, a, it was a really great project so it was it was um very interested in perception and so it was kind of perfect to be working with the Institute of Astronomy and getting kind of an insight into their the way they work and I'm very interested in astronomy as well and uh you know perception of both our built environment but also the elements and um, interested in space I'm a bit of a geek about space so um yeah it was a really great great project to be part of and again just like a good 
a good thing to get some experience of creating work in that kind of public domain and the the public realm. That's great. Thank you so much for your insights into the practicalities of public sculpture and sort of the the paperwork that's that's put behind it, the, the kind of liaising with different parties and but and and just generally being adaptable, I guess, because because the work's actually in the public, it's supposed to be elements. Um, on the on the subject of being adaptable, can you tell me a bit about how you've adapted during the lockdowns and talk to us about the various proactive projects you have embarked on? I'm thinking in particular the Conscious Isolation series, and also how have you been keeping busy with art initiatives yourself and hobbies in general? Um, yeah, so I guess like everyone, we've had I've had to kind of make some distinctive or kind of <laughs> um big changes to my my working life um so I haven't really been going to my studio much I did go in the summer a little bit but it involves a train ride and although my the person I share my studio with isn't in all the time she is sometimes and I just kind of felt like it was better and safer to not not be in like a mixed use space with other people for for especially during the lockdowns. Um, so I've kind of like set up a, a home studio. So I do do printmaking in the kitchen or anything kind of messy on the on the lino floor there. And then I've been doing a lot of two dimensional work um, in the living room and kind of when it was summer, so like last lockdown or whatever the first lockdown. Um, I was building quite a lot of stuff on the balcony, kind of using using a lot of the packaging that was coming through and just kind of experimenting with making these kind of quite large um, models that ideally then when I come back, get back in the studio, I can then make 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 them out of maybe different materials once I'm, once I'm back. Um, but it's been really good in a way because I, I was kind of increasingly starting to work two-dimensionally as well as three-dimensionally. And this has given me a really good... Um, kind of uh, just like step into that and I've, I'm now making a lot of 2D work and then working as I say at model scale or working on like computer designs um, that can then be developed into bigger works as as and when really rather than kind of constantly feeling like I need to produce sculptural work in the studio um, I can kind of be a bit more considered about when when I do make that kind of work um, and yeah, and then conscious isolation. So yeah, Samuel Zeli and I set up um, an initiative in lockdown one called Conscious Isolation, and it's essentially it's a platform for um, artist talks and panel discussions. And we've been hosting, I think it's about we've had about sixty three talks now um, over the course of COVID. Um, it was kind of. Initially in the first lockdown, I was hosting them about three times a week and now it's more a couple of times a month. But we were inviting um, artists in to, uh, to give, give talks about their work or about issues around their work um, and or issues that we feel are really kind of important at the moment, like things like sustainability. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it's free, it's open to, to anyone. Um, so we kind of just hoped that it would be a chance to continue to establish our networks um, and also to, to create networks and have people meet other people through through our platform and actually we we met through it didn't we Matt so it's good it's nice to nice to have still feel like you can be connected to other creatives during this time 
Um, and then I'm also doing another kind of uh, little initiative um, called Hang On um, with an artist, Ian Walter, and we're um, thinking about, initially it's starting as a digital public art project, um, but eventually kind of gonna, the, the aim is to try and build it up so that we're um, eventually, hopefully gonna do things in the public realm and it's all around um, the use of cranes and thinking about how cranes could be used when they're not being used, like, you know, um, for the kind of temporary public art projects and how, this idea of like, what would it be like to hang a gallery from a crane of, you know, hang a, hang a group show or a, a solo show of, of artist works. Um, so yeah, we kind of, at the moment, it's quite an experimental platform. We've got, um, we've got actually Robert Good, who set up Art Language Education. He's doing a takeover at the moment on our Instagram and he's talking about those ideas around inversion um, and around cranes and thinking about language in relation to the cranes. Um, and then we're also building an eight foot crane, which I'm hoping to take into where I work and get students to think about how they might want to hang their work in a slightly kind of more unusual way to how they would hang it in a gallery context and yeah we're inviting artists to submit proposals for what they would like to to hang and suspend in in urban space so yeah it's been it's been quite fun to to use the digital world as a kind of experimental platform really in that way and to kind of have some fun with the with with it really so yeah yeah, I think it's it's definitely got its advantages, the digital world, especially when used in, in balance. And I think it's it's been really important to remember while it's called social distancing, it's actually been uh, physical distancing. We can still find ways to socialise and have peer groups. And that's definitely very valuable. And I, I like the idea of the, the crane exhibitions and this idea of something that could be moved around and, and portable. Big question now, have you got any post-COVID art world predictions or speculations any changes that you'd see as bad or good oh it's a tricky one and obviously it's been quite controversial over the pandemic hasn't it with certain artists um making predictions about what the art world's going to look like afterwards i guess possible negative things like there there probably will be spaces that aren't able to have kind of weathered the storm um which obviously isn't great, um, but I I feel like on a positive, I feel like artists artists and creatives, um, especially the ones on the kind of less commercial side of the spectrum, are generally incredibly um, resourceful and um, good at adapting. And I reckon there's going to be some quite exciting kind of I I I find like the kind of DIY the artist led. Um, seen really exciting anyway generally I think it's going to be quite exciting to see how that side of things kind of comes out and maybe utilizes some of the empty spaces increasingly and um, yeah I don't know I also think um, it's just going to be really interesting when everyone starts being able to go back in person to see exhibitions and go to openings again and the kind of um, those those conversations that will commence again um it's just gonna I think be quite a quite kind of exciting time for for that side of things and and just catching up with what everyone's been doing because there's been actually so many really interesting initiatives that have come out of um of, of the pandemic so 
I hope it will be more positive than negative and I hope that artists have the artists that have needed to have been able to kind of access some of their funding and the support that's been available um and are able to keep keep making work throughout this time and I think reflection is never a bad thing I know for me I've kind of had finally had a chance after my BA and MA and kind of being busy in between finally a chance to actually stop and kind of reflect a bit more and I think that's um something that's quite hard to to do when you're kind of busy in between shows or projects or kind of applying for the next one or applying for funding um so actually that chance to step back and really start to kind of make the connections between pieces of work or to um spend more time reading and I I think that's going to make for some really interesting conversations and hopefully some some really kind of inspirational projects after after the pandemic yeah excellent um Lifestyle and work can obviously be interwoven for an artist. Can you talk to us a bit about your experience of Burning Man, the festival, and how dance plays a role in your life? Yeah, sure. Um, Burning Man, <laughs> well, that's an experience. It's um, it's really incredible, and I'm really glad I went, and I'm especially glad that I decided to go early. I went before the actual event started um, to help build our camp so we arrived I think about six days before the the kind of general public arrived um and when we first we, we arrived in the middle of the night um and obviously it's a desert so it's quite cold and on the first morning kind of looked outside and it's just this kind of relatively empty expanse of of land <laughs> um and then over the course of those five days we were we were building a big geodesic dome in there um on our camp and building showers and building kind of infrastructure and then in the evenings when I I finished building I'd go and cycle around or go and walk around and see what everyone else was building and you you really get this sense of this this city that houses 80,000 people being built from scratch in a way that everyone's kind of collaboratively working on it and in a way where there's really kind of careful consideration about um making sure that it's as sustainable as possible and I think that's really it's really interesting I mean when when where else in the world could you see a whole city essentially being built so quickly um and then actually during the event it's just amazing to 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 cycle around and see the artworks during the day and see the temple the big structure and then um I'm a little bit sad that I didn't actually go on one of the art you know the moving art cars because I was so worried that if I got on it I would just lose my bearings and not be able to find my bike again um but it's a real problem because you kind of park your bike especially at night there's just so many lights everywhere and you park your bike somewhere and then that thing moves but you didn't realize it was going to move <laughs> so you're using this thing to like to kind of navigate and uh yeah so I actually I I really I did like going out at night and it is amazing to see the artworks and the, the use of light but I really preferred sunrise and kind of sunset because you get that, that that twilight so you can see a bit more and you can kind of navigate a bit more easily and the sun the sun is obviously really, really intense in the day. I think it was 43 degrees when we were there during the day. Um, and so at sunrise and sunset, you kind of get that slightly more bearable temperature. And it's just incredibly beautiful in terms of the light 
so yeah, I would highly recommend. And then obviously everything gets set on fire. So I was also I was also lucky to um, be in the London fire um, conclave. So the people from every city apply to go and be in the in the as a fire performer. And there's a thousand fire performers that perform just before the man gets burnt. Um, and I could never really. <laughs> I'd never, I'd never spun anything. I don't know if we've got any spinners um, there or like people who's who's fans or poi, but I'd never really done that. And the first, the first time I did it, um, I was with quite a lot of really experienced people practicing um, in London, and uh, I got it in my head that it would be a good idea to try and light them. <laughs> um, so I just was like, oh, I'll just light like the middle one. Um, it's like a fan of lots of prongs of kind. Of, they look like marshmallows, and you light them. And then because of the wind, they all set alight. <laughs> so I definitely had a, a baptism of fire with my fire spinning, but it was incredible actually to, we, we were lucky enough to get to go to a couple of festivals before we went. So we did um, fire spinning at the last ever secret garden party. And then, yeah, and then I think it was like my fifth time that I did it when I did it at Burning Man for the practice and then the sixth time for the, the actual burn and it's just incredible being part of that kind of collective performative artwork um and then dance I haven't talked about dance uh yeah I've danced all my life I love it I think it's incredible um it's great for mental health it's um brilliant uh, in terms of like a social life um but I also think increasingly it, it really inspires my work um I go to the Royal Ballet as often as I can and get you can get like really cheap tickets you can get, go for like the price of a cup of coffee if you're if you if you kind of book far enough in advance so I go quite often um and see live performances and I'm really inspired by the sets um and yeah and increasingly what well, movement's really really important in my work and how how people move through space and increasingly kind of dance and the way that you have to cooperate with another human human being for partner dancing and kind of um adapt to their movements and their body um that's increasingly kind of becoming really inspirational in my work too um i've just got one final question what advice would you give to the class of 2021 i think generally keep good people close to you so make connections and do it in a genuine way and meet great people. And when you meet them, it sounds really corny, but you know, just value them and uh, just spend as much time with those people as possible. And I think of specifically to the art students, um, don't compare, it's so easy to compare, especially with things like Instagram. Try not to compare, just compare to your past self. Don't compare to other people because you, you just don't, you don't know the context in which someone's making work. Um, and just keep, keep doing it and do it because you love it because it's that, you know, it's not the easiest path, but there are so many incredible aspects to being a creative that, um, you know, so many crazy perks that you just never know where where a project's going to take you and uh, I think the it has to come down to trying to make the best work you can make um fundamentally but uh, again and I think the the first bit of advice kind of links in quite well as well like the the art world's an 
kind of an amazing place of really really inspirational and interesting people and I think the more you can kind of create that community the the better really great advice so basically be kind to yourself be kind to others hold them close either online or in person and just look out for each other yeah and the environment and the environment <laughs> yeah there we go okay. <laughs> Okay, well, that was great. Thank you, Susie. That was the first episode of Artcast. Thanks for listening. My name's Matt G, and that was Susie Olchak. Stay tuned for further episodes. Do you want to improve your technique in music production? To effectively use music production software such as Logic Pro, Ableton, Pro Tools, or learn to sound engineer? There are plenty of music courses at Morley College including Music Production Diploma Level 3. To expand your skill set in capturing the creation of music from teachers who are industry professionals with experience working as musicians or engineers. To learn more, visit the Morley College website at morleycollege.ac.uk.